0: Chance Papanicus is a proud Swampy Cree Two-Spirit person from the Kinosi Sepi Cree Nation in Treaty 5 territory. He has worked in the indigenous cultural and language revitalization sector for almost 5 years. Other areas of activism he focuses on are Two-Spirit resurgence, land and water preservation, and murdered and missing indigenous women, girls, and Two-Spirit advocacy. Chance is passionate about working towards a better and brighter future for First Nation
1: peoples. is disney Treaty 5, Winnipeg, what I said was, my name is Chance Papanicus. I come from the Kinaseo CP Cree Nation in Treaty 5 territory. I currently live here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I'm the executive director of the Akingun Foundation. We're a rather new uh, charity um, and we focus on the preservation and promotion of culture and language, indigenous cultures and languages. And so it's been really awesome learning opportunity, building the foundation, but also like learning a lot uh, about my own journey with respect to language revitalization. As I said, I come from the Kennewick Cree Nation, but I've lived in Winnipeg my basically my entire life. I go home often. Grew up around my grandmother, my mom's mom a lot, and. As I get older and when I went to school and when I started learning about residential schools and the Sixty Scoop day schools, Indian hospitals, there's like a plethora of things that have happened to our people that have caused like um, a dispossession of our identities. And so as I became educated, I became aware and I wanted to do something about it. And so I started, you know, focusing on my like individual journey of language reclamation and. I'd probably call myself almost intermediate Cree speaker um, in that, like, I can probably have like a basic conversation. I understand probably 65, 70% of the language. Um, but yeah, I was thankful, like, my mother and father well, my mother more so speaks Cree fluently, but my dad doesn't. And so that's an interesting story as well because my dad's parents went to residential school. And so they grew up with the thought that the Cree language wasn't valuable and that the English language uh, was what is needed to succeed in this Western world. And so they didn't teach their kids, including my dad, um, the language. But however, on, on the other side of things, my mom, my, my maternal grandmother, she did not go to residential school. and. Her dad actually, when the plane, like the, the Indian agents would come by plane. And so uh, they would come by plane and they'd take the kids. The RCMP would often help them round up the kids. Obviously, most of the time, if not all the time, it was not, it was inconsensual. It, you know, like they stole the children, right? And so. Yeah and so but what my grand my great grandfather did was he hid my grandmother and her siblings in the in the bush in the forest and so they weren't taken to residential schools uh, so they grew up speaking their languages and so too did their children like my grandmother and her sisters all of their kids speak Cree right so but I'm thankful that my mom, whenever we do speak, I always ask her questions about the language, and same with my grandmothers on both sides. Like, my gran- all my grandparents speak the language fluently, but my dad doesn't, my mom does. So when, but whenever I speak to my grandmothers especially, I try to learn from them while they're on this earth because I wanna learn Cree because there's different, they call it local variation, right? So like you have the Cree nation, which is like extends from Alberta to Quebec, So it's a really large land. We have a large land base. We're the largest First Nation group in Canada, second in North America next to the Navajo Nation. And so there's the Y dialect, which is in the West. And then there's the TH dialect, N dialect. I'm N dialect, by the way, which is Swampy Cree. Swampy Cree is mostly in um, Eastern Saskatchewan and Northern Manitoba. And so that's where I come from, is the Kinesio Creation. Cree Nation. And language revitalization, I feel, is part of my, my blood, because Norway House, we kind of lead the way, at least a lot of people from Norway House, although the majority of the community doesn't speak the language because it's a very bottom-heavy community, as most Indigenous communities are, meaning that it's mostly young people in the community. But uh, there's so many people out there who are teaching the language, like my, in the, in the Cree culture, we, like my, my, my grandfather's cousin, Ken is that was the longest serving professor at the Faculty of Native Studies at the University of Manitoba. And he was a Cree professor. And so, but I call him my grandfather, even though, like, technically he would be like a great uncle almost, right? But yeah so I feel like it's part of my blood and when I got this job you know it was I was completely surprised because it was my first senior uh, directorial role but it was it's it's been amazing it's been a journey because being able to give back to people what was stolen from them is invaluable It's an invaluable award because language it really does formulate our worldview not only as, First Nation people, as Cree people, Ojibwe people, but as human beings, you know, our worldview, the way we view ourselves, the way we view other people and other living beings is based on our language. And so it's really important that everyone has access to their language. And so when I hear of things like immersion programs in Winnipeg One School Division at Isaac Brock, it makes me really happy that we're moving in that direction. Of reclaiming our languages and our native tongues, you know the Okinawa Foundation, as I stated earlier, is, is rather new. We're small but mighty, I'll say, because you know we've we've been um, doing a lot of networking, a lot of fund development, partnership building, like with you, multicultural and other organizations, as such. And so, it's really it's been a it's been a pleasure, you know, even just to to fund. Like for example, there was a an Nishnabemowen class that was being taught in Riding Mountain, and they had reached out to us, uh, requesting funding for their graduates. And us being a charity, of course, we said yes because we want to help with the monetary aspect of language revitalization. And so that's a little bit about Akingunje and. As we grow, so too will our mandate and, you know, eventually my dream for our foundation is that we get to expand into Saskatchewan and Ontario and then eventually Alberta and Quebec and across the country really. I have big dreams for our foundation. That's a little bit of what we do. So we offer like workshops, primarily right now because we have a lower human resource capacity. We We do a lot of subcontracting, so we contract other organizations. We call them our sister organizations, like the Indigenous Languages of Manitoba, Manitoba Indigenous Cultural Education Center, Manitoba First Nation Education Resource Center, uh, the Manitoba Aboriginal Languages Strategy, and so we help, or they help us deliver our programming. So we give them the money, they deliver the program and it's a really beautiful partnership, but hopefully in the future, again, as we grow capacity, both human resource capacity and financial capacity, we'll be able to deliver our own programming. That's a short, but also long-term goal of mine, if that makes sense, like always wanting to grow because we're in the decade of indigenous languages right now. The United Nations declared that I think in 2019. And so we're seeing a resurgence of claiming our languages i just think it's really beautiful that we're able to be part of that and i really truly think that because the way i view things is that winnipeg because the red r- at the forks there that's where the hudson's bay company had their main trading post and so the cree people the anishinaabe people Dakota people, Dene people, people from really all over Turtle Island would meet there and trade. Uh, And people argue, well, it's a fact that the Hudson's Bay Company was kind of the first colonial entity in Canada. And so I like to think of, I don't like to think of, but I think of Winnipeg as like the physical epicenter of settler colonialism, because this is where it all began, right? And then it expanded and so but again because of that you know we kind of turned our sad story into a success we turned it around and now we have so many people in the region working towards indigenous cultural and language revitalization Yeah, so in my opinion, like, I think, obviously, in Canada, English and French are the official languages of the country. And so most of the funding with respect to languages is allocated towards French and English immersion programs. Like I grew up speaking English. So I think that's part of it, like the governmental kind of interference. But also the unwillingness of the government to allocate funding and resources to our people to, to reclaim our languages. But I think it's I think it's turning around because, you know, our foundation, we received funding from the government of Canada to deliver a Cree language program, so but it needs to be on a larger scale. It can't just be these like one time grants. It has to be like embedded within the policies, procedures, and practices of not only the federal government, but like the provincial government, the municipal government. Like We just had the renaming of Bishop Grandin Boulevard Street and Trail in in Inanimowin, some call it Nahinowewin, and Michif. And so I think that's a small but right step in the right direction with respect to kind of centering indigenous languages and kind of making newcomers and and settlers aware that like, this is indigenous land. And before the coming of the European settlers, there were many cultures here, many languages. And it was a thriving, I like to call it a utopia because we were living off the land. We were living with each other. We were trading with each other. You know, albeit it wasn't perfect, you know, there was war, there was sickness, but at the end of the day, what's the most important is we maintained our sovereignty as First Nation peoples, as, as Cree, Anishinaabe peoples, Blackwood peoples, Dene peoples, Dakota peoples, and I argue we still do. It's just that, you know, as we have more people kind of um, flocking to Canada, um, it is a beautiful country. we have more people coming here so the more people that come here the harder it is for indigenous people to be centered in those discussions at the government level and then also just like the public discourse of stereotypes and racism and the idea that indigenous peoples can't take care of themselves that our chiefs and our leadership aren't able to lead our people properly that's not the truth you know like i've i've met many Indigenous leaders, not only chiefs, but leaders of organizations in Canada Winnipeg who are leading the way and who are leading our people in a good way. And so I think it's like a really nuanced discussion and it's complex, right? Because it talks about history, law, the Indian Act, which is, I think we are the only ethnic group In the world that is governed by a a federal piece of legislation. And so, obviously, like that, that is a big hurdle that we need to overcome is breaking free from the Indian Act. Ovid McCready, he's a really integral player in Indigenous politics and advocacy in Canada. He was um, the national chief of the AFN, I believe. And also the chief of Mississippi, otherwise known as Grand Rapids here in Manitoba. But um, he always says, I heard him say once, act Indian, not Indian act. And although it was only five words, that really resonated with me because it's like, that's so true. We need to start acting like who our ancestors were, because that's what they would have wanted, is for us to be who we were meant to be and we're very resilient peoples we've been through so much famine war disease systemic racism you know everything there's a list and the list seems to continue to grow with missing and murdered indigenous women girls and two-spirit peoples but at the end of the day we're okay and we're doing we're doing the thing you know we're, we're, we're reclaiming what what was stolen and we're, be, we're taking place we're becoming doctors of western philosophy doctors of western uh, knowledge systems and so i have a lot of hope in cree hope is bagasenimwin, you know and i have a lot of hope for our people
0: you multicultural is located on treaty one territory the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji-Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the national homeland of the Red River Métis.